Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Think about how the other person in a conversation with them is experiencing them. How do they want other people to experience them? I think that if they take some time to think about how their words are landing, what their body language is saying, and how they're speaking to others, there is a learning moment there. Take a look at how that person responds, their body language, their tone of voice, because there's some mirroring happening. They can learn a lot about themselves when they take a moment to say, how am I showing up for you? I also would like for them to think about trusting someone to say, tell me about me. How do I show up in different areas of my job or my life? Just ask one person you trust and see what you learn from that. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast, all the way from New York in the USA, of course, Eileen's Melendez, who's the CEO of HR Transformed who help businesses of all sizes and business owners of all industries solve their people problems, which is um, something that I'm really looking forward to chatting to you about today, Eileen. So welcome to the Innova Bus podcast. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks you for having me, Jürgen. Great to be here. And Juliana Marilanda, who was our guest on episode 594 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation and she introduced us. So big hello to Juliana. Hi, Juliana. Thank you for bringing me on here. Now, you've got over 25 years of human resources experience. You started very young, as I recall it, and um, you got excited by working with people and um, solving people problems very early on. You're still excited by that. So um, it's uh, really fascinating to dig into that. I'm sure that everyone has people problems of some sort, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in other relationships. And um, I know I've had a few conversations over the last few days where a couple of my friends have been very frustrated by what's going on in their workplace and it's all around those issues of dealing with other people. So I'm really looking forward to tackling some of those issues today with you, Eileen. But before we do that, what's the impact you're making in the world today? 
So I want to change the way that people look at human resources and people operations. I want them to see it as a partner for the business and a partner for the employees so that everyone's on the same path. So I'd love to just really set my sights on impacting the business in a really positive way. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I love that you said sort of a partner for the business. I know when I was still in the corporate world, the there was this catchphrase, our people are our most valuable resource. And even the idea of talking about human resources, it kind of dehumanizes it in some ways. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but certainly that idea of um, our people are our most valuable resource never seemed to get put into action. It was kind of like, okay, there's a business decision and a strategy direction decided and um, hang on, what about the people? Uh, so, so yeah, so how do you see this um, partnership playing out and, and a change in mindset that people need to bring to those relationships so that that can play out the way you see it? I think when you bring people on board to work in your organization, you expect them to sort of march along and follow the strategy and truly understand it without a partnership with those people or a partnership with your leadership to understand how they are working with the people. Because people are your biggest asset, especially in the service industry or even in an agency where you're, you have these brains working on ideas or working directly with your clients there's a mismatch of values. So the employees are there, you know, this is my expectation. This is what I need to do. I go into work, I do what I need to do. And then I go home and live my life and get excited. <laughs> so there's less excitement happening in the workplace because there's less of a conversation of, and how do you think we can do this? Or is there new ways to do something that we've sort of paved a path for? So business owners really need to focus on how they are expressing and sharing their vision and how their leadership is expressing and sharing their vision. Because if your employees don't truly understand how they fit in that puzzle or how they fit in that equation, your goals are going to be reached in a far lesser way than what you intended it to be. So really putting a focus on how am I communicating? Am I communicating in different styles? Or am I communicating in my own style Well, where only me and a few other people truly understand what I'm saying or what the vision and mission of the company is or what kind of strategy I want for when our clients interact with our people. There's a mismatch and a, and a value mismatch on how am I truly communicating? Because you may say something to me, Jurgen, and I may understand it as, oh, I need to march to the right. And in reality, you're telling me I need to go to the left. But there's a mismatch in what we're saying or how I'm hearing things from you. So business owners really should focus on how are my words landing on the people that work for me? Are they landing in the way I intend it? Am I motivating them? Am I truly spelling out the vision in a way that everyone, not just the person there in the, on the right or the person there on the left or the person there sitting on the fr in the front row or the one all the way in the back who can't hear me or the one who works remote from another country, are they truly, truly getting your message in the way that they can understand it? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really important point. And that, that whole communication uh, subject is something that is so important in all relationships, right? And I'm thinking going back even before, so, so you talked about the team and some of them may be remote, some of them may 
traditionally sit at the back of the, of the room and particularly if it's a big meeting that they might be a long way back and they may not even hear from an audible um, perspective everything that's said at the front uh, but it comes back even before that right the communication style in terms of hiring people on board that are a values match for the organization that are actually aligned in in a general sense in terms of what the business is trying to achieve and that communication there is is so critical as well to make sure that you're actually filtering out those people that aren't a match and the, and bringing in those that are a match um how do you how do you see this whole question of communication style playing out, particularly in in us as individuals becoming much more aware of how our communication or what communication style we actually have, what we default to, how that is received by the person we're talking to or the people we're talking to, and then the next step, which is the sort of next level, how can we adapt that communication style to make sure it's actually resonating, it's actually um, inspiring, it's actually kind of getting people to move in the direction we want them to, so they go right instead of left when we when we think we've said right. <laughs> exactly. So there's there's something that you said is is really important, which is you know are people the right fit, and are we having the conversations up front? that do share the clues of what the company is about and, and how the people that work there go about doing their work. So I love to use the word integration. So it's no longer a fit. It's about how do we integrate this person into our organization because they may bring something new and mm -hmm. exciting to the table that can really launch the business in a new direction or help catapult us faster in the direction in which we're going. So think about that in integration. Even the interview, you're getting, you're giving cues and clues to this person on how you operate. Are you showing your hands when you communicate? Are you looking straight at the screen if it's not in person? If it's in person, what's your body doing? Are you behind a table or are you next to someone at a table? That gives the other person some clues in how you run your business and what your personality style is like. Then it goes into some of the other things, the nonverbal cues or how you speak. Do you come across as a very social person, as a very commanding, independent, quick thinker person? Are you showing up with a high sense of urgency or do you speak with a, a slower pace that shows a patience level? Are you um, giving a lot of details away? Are you showing excitement? These are all cues of what kind of a personality am I working with and how can I, as a business owner or as a senior leader at an organization, showcase my style so this person can respond. And I love to use this word that I picked up when we talk about personality styles is, are you responding in kind? So when I work with someone, I identify, okay, this person is a high attention to detail sort of person. That's not my default <laughs> communication style. My default communication style is super social. So I'm looking to connect, relationship, get excited. And when I work with someone where I see that they're high attention to detail, maybe they're a bit more methodical and specific in the way that they express themselves, I then take the cue and I say, okay, 
I need to respond in kind because the only way this person's going to truly hear me is if I speak more in their style and connect that way so that in turn, I can be heard. So I will try to mirror that style. So in those conversations, I pick up on those cues. The other thing is I pick up on the nonverbal cues. Are they open to the conversation? If we're in person, are they mirroring my, my style? Are our eyes in the same, kind of looking at the same direction on the same level? And I, I go back to some learnings I've had, even from my mom, way back when, when I had my children, my oldest one is now 23. She says, whenever you want your children to listen to you, go down to their level, go to the same mm-hmm. eye level, make them feel like they're one with you. And it is the same thing in business. If I am talking to someone from across the table and maybe they're you know shorter than me or taller than me, I, I feel like there's a hierarchy. And when you are trying to connect and trying to get someone to really hear you, see if you can switch that up so that there is very level thinking. I'm no better than anyone else. And I also want to be heard. And so business owners typically will um, show up in a way that's very commanding or here's what I want, bullet one, bullet two, bullet three. Not everyone speaks in that style. When I do work with a business owner who is very sort of strategic and gives me the high level points, again, respond in kind. Okay, what I heard you say was X, 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 this is your priority. I have a couple more questions. You have some time for that because I want to do a great job for you and I want you to get the results and so those are the things that catch that person's attention and then they'll give me more time. Yeah. So there's there's a very direct style there in that example you gave. And thinking thinking in in the other sense also as an employee. So there's a really great example there because as an employee of such a business owner um you well as employees we we should also be conscious of How's our communication style and how's it resonating? And are we getting the information that we need? So in that example, you've you've shown that the employee can adapt their communication style to the direct communicator of, of the their boss and essentially give um, yeah, get get their message heard, which is, hey, I need some more information. I'm on board, I want to give you the results. But I need some more information. Right. I need I need some more specificity around X, Y, and Z so that I can go and do what I need to do. And that's where the communication breaks down when people just stay in their own style and don't recognize if I want to get what I need out of the other person, I do need a shift in the moment. And this is in all relationships, sometimes to be heard by our family members or friends or in business or with people we're trying to communicate with. How can I shift my words and how can I shift my my style of, of, of communicating so I get your attention and so I get what I need and I also give you what you need. It's it's for mutual benefit. And I've been given, I've been asked this question before is why should I change? And I said, wow, this is not about changing. It's not like I truly value that you are your style, your person, and I encourage you to be that person just to draw that person in, shift in the moment, shift in the moment to be heard. And once you've got their attention, showcase who you are and give that message that you need to get. Cause we're all looking to go to the next thing and get things checked off our list. Yeah. And, you know, and for those business owners who are 
results driven and results oriented and don't have time for all that extra fluff. We all have a need and a value that needs to be met. And you just have to shift in the moment to get that door open as opposed to just a crack open. <laughs> yeah, I had to laugh because that why should I change? I've had, I've had that question fired at me in many cases in, in my corporate world in particular, um, where people were in conflict. And I, I talked about, um, yeah, communication style and one thing, why should I change? The other person should change. Um, right. The Related to that, the question I had, and I think you've sort of touched on it there, is how do we adapt our communication style in a way that still is authentic? So it's authentic. So I've got a natural style. We all have a natural style. Um, and I've heard people say, well, that's just me. That's the way I do it. How do we remain authentic to who we are and at the same time adapt our style in a way that um, connects with the other person, that gets our message heard better, but still comes across as well as sincere, that we're still being authentic, that that person hears us as being authentic. Right. And, and sometimes it's announcing our shifting and say, I typically don't really get into the details of things. And I understand that you may need that from me to get what you need so that we can move forward on this project or move forward together. I struggle with that. So can you do anything to sort of help me through? So my example of the person who needs a lot of attention, like a lot of details mm. and some extra information, it's exhausting for someone maybe like me or like that direct business owner to really live in those details and say, you know, I'm very exhausted when I have to think about all those extra little things. And it, it, un, it creates unnecessary word, word, like unnecessary thinking on my part because I really want to move on to something else. So in that, if I announce that I'm struggling with having to come up with all these additional details that I feel are not needed, I will ask the person, tell me why you need this. Is there a purpose that will help you do this faster, quicker, and better that I then need to stretch myself to give this to you? I'm willing to do this. I just need to under, understand why. On the flip side, sometimes if I need someone to be more succinct, <clears throat> I'm that person who I'm like, I don't need the details. I just need the big picture so I can move on. I'll say to them, you may lose me. You're starting to lose me in this conversation. And I know that you lead with the details. I know that you lead with all the data. I'm, you're going to lose my thinking here. So is there a way for you to maybe create just three bullet points of the main points? And then if I need the more information, I'm going to ask you to send it to me or we can have a follow-up discussion. So mitigating that like breakdown is announcing, here's what I have time for. Here's what I have energy for. Can we meet each other halfway here so that we don't get lost in the communication? Because people just walk away frustrated with mm. each other, as opposed to calling out the, you're losing me, losing me in the details. And I know that's your style and I really appreciate it. And I know I can lean on you for all this extra information. I just can't hear it. I can't absorb it right now. Mm. Yeah. And it, I like how you've outlined that. And there's a certain level of vulnerability there too, isn't there? which is kind of a strength that allows, like we can almost 
bring humour into that and say, well, hey, you know, you know that I, you know that my eyes all glaze over when you go into detail. You know that I'm not a detail person, and sort of make fun of of your own personality or sort of style there in some ways, and then and then lead into that. I know I can rely on you for all those details, and I know you've got my back on all those details. But let's here's here's what I need right now. Let's get to the big picture. Let's just right. <clears throat> let's make the decision we need to make. And if someone says, well, I really need to go through this with you, it's really important, I will say, okay. And at the point where I start to sort of lose lose attention, mm-hmm. I will let you know. So let's see as far as we can go for the next, you know, 15 minutes. And I, I've learned this technique, having worked with people of all different styles and being an analyst of different styles is there's a facial expression that happens when you lose someone, whether they're way too big picture and they're not making any sense or they're way too detailed, that whole spectrum. There are are cues in that person's face or in their eyes or in their body language that we need to be more adept at picking Mm. up so that we could say, oh, Jürgen, I feel like I've lost you. And you say, you know what you did? I'm so sorry. And that, that's like what you said. It's the vulnerability. It's about being honest with each other and being authentic and saying, uh, I will push myself and I will I will meet you in your communication style when I can. And when I can, I'm going to be honest because I don't want you to waste your time. And I also don't want you to feel like I'm disrespecting the attention and the time that you've given me. So so it's all about communicating it out loud. And, mm. and instead of just letting people... Uh, figure it out from your body language. I would say it out loud. I'm, I'm exhausted mentally and there's no way I can focus on this or it's way too big picture for me and I definitely need some details in order for it to make sense. Can I ask you some questions and can you get me some of the details? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the other things that strikes me with that is it's kind of an acknowledgement that we all have our unique styles and we all have our unique um, behavioral preferences and it's almost like a celebration of that, which I think, you know, there's, there's that diversity adds so much to a group dynamic. And yet, um, coming back to what you said earlier, why should I change? People see this as, okay, I've got to change. I've got to change who I am. I've got to change my behavior permanently. I've got to change my communication style permanently. It's not that. It's it's kind of um, stretching yourself outside of that and saying, okay, let's, exactly. let's explore a different style and see whether that, uh, whether islands will receive my message that way. Um, let's um, change how I, how I'm being and see whether my audience receives my message better that way. Uh, but it's it in acknowledging that and in kind of setting asking for permission, if you like, or announcing that shift, I'm going to try a different, I'm going to try to say this in a different way. Normally I'm not that, but I'd like to try a different way is kind of both acknowledging and celebrating those different styles, isn't it? It is. It's it's us being shapeshifters. I think that's a mark of leadership, of being able to identify what does this person need and how can I best serve them? Um, by shifting my communication style, or like I said before, responding in kind. Mm. So, so when I meet someone, <clears throat> I mirror that communication style 
Not exactly. I'm not looking to, to mirror them. I'm looking to mirror the communication style so that I stretch myself to be heard. And, and it happens very organically. You sort of see the interest. You see that they're like, wow, this person, they think like me or, or wow, they're so detail oriented. And again, when it's not our natural style, we can't live there for a long time. It's exhausting. If you asked me to, to be heads down and attention to detail all day, yeah, people on my team who can do that, I would be jumping outside of my skin. I would be exhausted. I'd have to jump on a bicycle and, and, and go for 30 miles. Like I, I just wouldn't be able to do that every day, every minute. I can do it in small spurts because I'm doing it to serve someone else because that's what they need from me. So being a shapeshifter is the biggest strength as a leader or a business owner and understanding what do my people need from me? How do I bring them on this journey? Respond in kind when you can. When you can't, don't fake it. Be your authentic self. Let them know this is exhausting for me right now. I'm, I'm mentally shot, so I can't even hear the details. Is, is this something you really need me to focus on right now? Or can we reschedule this for tomorrow morning when, when I'm more in tune with what I need and, and looking at all these details? Mm. Yeah, I love it. And I know one of the things that you do quite a bit is training people in kind of communication, I suppose, and, and you have a really fun way to do this training. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that because um, I find that fascinating that you're combining a couple of things there that um, really, I guess, can showcase some of these concepts we've talked about. Yeah, so I'm DISC certified, specifically taking flight with DISC, and, and there are birds assigned to different personalities. So I get really excited when I meet someone who is a parrot, because I'm a parrot, which is this outgoing, you know, energetic, very social person. And so I pick up on all these other different birds, and they're, they're really interesting. So uh, Merrick Rosenberg uh, is the person who had created these sort of birds. And when I do the training, we say, okay, all the doves, come over here. Let's do an exercise. All the, the parrots, let's go. But don't talk so much because the doves are going to be very, um, uh, you know, they're going to get very distracted by you. Or our owls are very high attention to detail. So we're going to let them do their thing. And the eagles, they're the ones who are, you know, solo practitioners. We're, we're going to have them over here doing an exercise. And then we mix them all together and we create some energy. We create some learning. And under stress, I love to sort of work with people who in their own styles and behavioral styles, they can be under stress and identifying what happens with their with their personality. Um, we really do explore that. So I do some of that chameleon leadership training, which is combining all the styles and showing up as a chameleon when people need us. Like I talked about the shapeshifter. So we do a really great deep exercise and great deep thinking when we, when we talk about how we are as leaders with all of our different bird styles and who we work with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course you can have fun with that. If you've got, I imagine if you've got a whole workplace trained in, in that language, in that nomenclature that um, you could yes. have some fun and and if there's a difficult conversation happening say okay I'm going to shift from eagle to to owl yes. now or I'm going to shift from eagle to parrot <laughs> exactly and because humans are so complex there are people with multiple bird styles so we've got you know I'm a parrot with a small dove and I've got people on my team who are owl eagles or other like dove owls. And I always say, okay, well, she's an owl dove. 
So I really need to focus on making sure that I do lead with the details and I do spend the time to answer all the questions because she will have them. Mm. Um, or this person here is super high level, super big picture, and they don't want the details. And I really do need to go through this contract with them. So let me go into this mode of top three things we need to look at. The termination clause, this and that. You ready? All right, let's get into detail, because as soon as this is done, I can let you go back to doing what you love best, which is visioning for the company, you know. So there's there's this amazing thing that we can do when we understand that there are complexities of those styles. And yeah, when we, we talk about it, say, OK, well, she's an eagle owl or they're a, a parrot dove. And they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. I had I forgot they're a parrot dove. I'm like, all right. So what are you going to do now in your communication style to this person? Hmm. It's lots of fun. And it just makes it easier to really understand what we're working with. Hmm. Um, one of the things that people often avoid is is the difficult conversation. So, um, yeah, because I, I guess we're all afraid of confrontation, and the difficult conversation is is the one that um, we've got to confront a situation. And we've got to basically tell somebody, hey, you have to do something different. You have to, you know, th this isn't working. Um, and it may even be consequences like letting them go or uh, demoting them or reassigning them to a different project from one that perhaps has some status or perhaps they're emotionally attached to. How do we bring some of these concepts into those difficult conversations? Well, I guess, first of all, how do we change our own mindset to say, okay, I need to have this difficult conversation. I can't avoid it. I can't avoid the confrontation. I have to face up to there might be a confrontation. Um, how can we bring ourselves to that point and then bring in these concepts of how do I communicate in a way that this other person hears me? Because in that situation, of course, the other person is likely to come in very defensive right from the get-go. Right. So there's several things that we can touch on. So some styles are avoider styles. They avoid conflict, all chances they can get, or they put off um, having a conversation because of the emotions attached to what difficult conversations can mean. Defensiveness, anger, shutdown, you know, there's all these different factors. So some, some styles love conflict. <laughs> Eagles actually love conflict and they don't see it as conflict they see it as a healthy conversation yeah and yet the other person may feel very attacked by the way that the style presents itself so depending on how your style is in your communication and even approaching difficult conversation or candid conversation one thing is clear is that you do need to set yourself up because a and uh, someone who's very high attention to detail will get too detailed and too nitty gritty. And there's so much explanation or someone who's too empathetic might focus on the, oh, I'm so sorry, but this is what you do really well. And here's what you could change. And it's not that bad. Everything will be fine. Yeah. You know, and then your parrot, who's typically, you know, like me, they'll just be like, you know, and it's okay because I believe in you. I know you can do this. You know, they might get overly excited about, you know, motivating the person when they're feeling a little shut down. 
Or you've got your your uh, big picture, you know, direct person who's like, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do it. Go. <laughs> so there's so many different ways that people can approach it. So prepping is really important. I love to set it up in a mind map. So think about this, a circle in the middle. And let's say we need to talk about deadlines. And so imagine the little bubbles above this circle. And the first thing is, what is the issue? What am I coming here to talk about? So the first maybe one or two or even three bubbles is what are the main points of deadlines I want to make? Well, I write down in my first bubble, deadlines are, you know, meeting the deadlines have been inconsistent over the past three months. That's one point I want to make. The second point I want to make is that the work is seemingly rushed because the quality of work on the missed deadlines, uh, on the work that was missed, is, is pretty low. And then I have to think about doing an analysis. What has happened in the past three months to potentially contribute to this person missing the deadlines? So let's say that I've looked at the workload for the past three months and nothing's really changed. In fact, maybe they lost a client or maybe there was a shift that they had less work than they typically do. So I would put an analysis. I've, I've looked over your workload in the past three months and I've noticed that nothing has really shifted from what I could see. The fourth point I would write down in my mind map is my intention. And it's really important for me to verbalize my intention. I'm having this conversation because I want you to succeed here. And I want to work with you to figure out what are the roadblocks that you're facing that are keeping you from meeting these expectations of the job. And then I stop there in terms of kind of having the conversation. I want to have some preconceived solutions to the deadlines issue, I will wait to have the conversation so that it's two way. So this is, and that way we can develop. Mm -hmm. So this is all your preparation at the moment. So, yes. so you're yeah. visualizing the conversation in some way. Exactly. Yeah. And so you can write this down. I have a mind map template and you can write it down so that when you go into the conversation, you say all the things that you need to say, nothing more and nothing less because the other person needs to be clear on what it is that that is needed that is needed and the intention is really important hmm. because some people feel like oh they're only telling me this cuz they're setting me up to be fired or they're telling me this and i don't really know why because it's never been an issue before i i, I miss deadlines all the time i've never been talked to yeah, there's there's an intention that needs to be clear and then you have this two-way conversation and i think that managers tend to forget that it is a two-way conversation. And responses from the employee may be, I'm going through something very personal and, and uh, I don't know how to handle my personal life right now, my work life. Or I have a health issue and I don't know uh, what to do about this health issue. And managers just sort of freeze. They don't know what to do. And, and they feel like they need to solve every yeah, problem the employee mm. brings. Even the ones that are outside of their sphere of control, medical issues, personal issues, family issues, guide them to professionals outside of the workplace that can help them solve that and bring them back to, I wish I could, I, I wish I could help you with that. My focus here in the workplace is, is the work. And so if there's something at home or something with your health that's interfering, I strongly suggest that you see a physician or you see someone who can solve that and let me know 
if that's going to get in the way of meeting these deadlines long term. Because I'm willing to give you that time and the space to fix whatever it is that you need to fix at home. And we still need to get the job done. So let's talk about, you know, what you will do to, to make this happen at work, right? That That's the hard part. Hmm. The hard part isn't even the prep. It's the two-way conversation. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to get. <clears throat> what if someone starts crying here again? <laughs> what do you do? You just watch them cry or you get up and leave or you say, oh, you can't talk right now. Let's let's close the, the Zoom meeting and, and keep moving. The, the real... The real hard part here is how do you close the meeting where you've provided some guidance and some solution for that employee to understand why this was a difficult conversation? And it's never about you. That's the other part. Oh, this is so hard for me. No, it's not. You're the manager. Mm. It's hard for them. And so you can't say what it means to you because the other person doesn't care. They only care about how they feel. And it's really important to remember that calibrated questions are the key to moving the conversation forward. Never ask, why did you do that? Why does this keep happening? Why are we having this conversation? Because what does that get you? Defensiveness, Hmm. immediately. So I would say, what can I do to help? How can we move forward from here? Can we put a plan in place so that we're both committed to helping you through this situation, if it's work-related? Not if it's personal. If it's personal, say, when will you discuss this with a physician so we can move forward on the work side of this? What are our expectations here, right? So calibrated questions, the questions that are not why questions, they're the hows and the whats and the wheres. Those are what's important to move that conversation forward. And then at the end, it's always awkward. How do you end the conversation? Okay, well, great talking to you. Hope you do a great job. You say... All right. So we've heard lots of things. Uh, We talked about lots of things today. Here's what I've captured. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's some things we're going to do together. Did I capture everything correctly? And that person can say, yes, Eileen's or yes, Jurgen, you did. All right, great. I'm going to recap that in email for you. I just want your commitment again when you see it in writing that I've captured it, right? Because again, I want to see you succeed here. That is my goal. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. That is how you end that conversation. So th- I gave you a, a, a bit of a roadmap yeah. in having the discussion, but also trying to end the conversation and have the expectation that you're going to document it as well. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm thinking also, when do we get back together to to check in, I guess? Yes. And so in the documentation, there's always a I will check back in in two weeks or we will have a formal meeting in 30 days, whatever it is mm. that that is correct, right? Because there's no perfect That's answer right. yep. of how many times you need to meet. It depends on the situation mm. or the severity of, of the performance expectation. Mm. So there's always sort of a follow-up. And that is also protective for you, also for the employee. People also want to feel like there is due process, that they can turn around and say, I don't agree, or this wasn't captured correctly. Mm. A lot of times the other person will not tell you, I don't feel heard in this conversation or I don't feel acknowledged. So creating an an opportunity for you to have that two-way conversation creates trust, grows a relationship. It really solidifies that person feeling close to the company because you've had this candid conversation, because you've taken the time to write down what your commitments are to each other and move forward from there. And like you said, then follow up Mm. 
and make sure that they understand I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. I'm making progress here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a very comprehensive approach and outline of the approach. And I really love it. The, um, I guess there's a couple of things there that I still wonder about. Uh, the first one <clears throat> is what if somebody bursts out in tears and starts crying? Yeah. I mean, how do you respond to that? Um, how do you adapt your communication there that you keep the conversation on track towards the desired outcome? Yeah. So if there's someone who is just having a really hard time uh, communicating and they're just, they're crying and they can't say their words, I would say, let me give you a minute. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to sit here quietly and I, I want to continue this conversation. So then I would just sit in silence for a little bit and let them just sort of get through their emotion. If after a minute, they're not ready to rejoin the conversation, I would say, I see that we may not make more progress past this point today. Let's follow up tomorrow morning. And the reason why tomorrow morning is a good time and always have difficult conversations at the end of the day, because you may lose productivity in the morning. It gives them an opportunity to be sort of fresh in terms of their thinking and a night's sleep provides a lot of clarity for people. Some people wake up and the emotions are a lot less heavier than they were the day before. So if in the morning they're ready to talk, then you would continue the conversation there. If they are ready to continue the conversation and you can see that they are shut down, acknowledge that too and say, I feel like I've lost you in the conversation. I feel like there's less engagement on your part than at the beginning of, of this meeting. Do you want to continue this tomorrow? Do you feel better equipped to answer and, and collaborate on an action plan tomorrow morning? So again, it's it's not just trudging forward and ignoring mm. what's happening in front of you. It's it's acknowledging what is happening and saying, am I right in saying that this is is causing you to shut down? I'm 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 getting that you're you're shutting down right now. Is that correct? And do you want to continue in the morning, right? That is showing that empathy. That is showing I'm acknowledging that you are experiencing something. If someone's at the point where they're very upset and they're yelling at you or they're, they've raised their voice and it's very uncomfortable for you, then you can say, I feel like I need a moment to respond to everything that you're saying. I've taken notes and I just need some time to think this over. I'm going to send you an invite for tomorrow morning so we can continue the conversation when we're a little bit more uh, ready to take it on or and or level-headed depending on how angry they are because that's also not okay to have conversations when mm. one of the parts one of the parties is feeling so angry that they are starting to berate or raise their voice or, or call anyone names i would end the conversation and continue the next day as well mm. yeah yeah that's lots of good advice there the um yeah, and the other one that struck me in what you were saying is this need that we all feel as managers, and I know I've been in that situation of, oh, I'd really love to help you solve that problem, and yet it's outside of your area of expertise as a manager, like the examples you gave, the health health issues or the, the family or relationship issues, and how do you, 
I mean, how do we change our mindset and say, okay, separate yourself from that and and let them know, go and see a professional about that. And when he, and and I like what you said, it's not just go and see a professional about that, which is kind of like in some ways abdicating the responsibility some way, but when are you going to do that? Hold them accountable to a timeline. Right. So, so when there are people that give you that medical disclosure and, you know, managers always feel like I have to solve all these problems or I have to now download a list of physicians that can help you with something like that. You know, you feel sort of frozen and how do I help this person? Or you might have the manager who says, I can't help you with that. And then they completely shut off because they just want to go back, back into the work. I would say to them, that is outside of my area of expertise. While I wish I can help you with that, all I can say to you is that there are some wonderful professionals that you can call. You know, here's the number to HR to give you some names of, you know, our, our you know, medical provider or some companies have EAPs, uh, employee assistant programs that they can refer them to and say, here are the people internally that can help with that. Or if there's someone saying that I'm struggling with a breakup and say, oh, I can, I can understand how that can get in the way of concentrating at work. I would not share my own experiences. I would not share what I did to overcome a breakup. It's irrelevant and it's not my problem to solve. So without saying that to them, I would say, I get that that takes some time to, to get through. And right now, I really need the work to get done. So if you might need a day off or two to handle that, I encourage you to do that. And I also have to hold you accountable for the expectations of the job. So if you do need some time off this week, I'm happy to make that to review what what you need. And I want to get back to the conversation of how do I hold you accountable while you're working like this? So in that aspect, I would absolutely say acknowledge it, put it where it needs to be put, offer. And I've done this with my own direct reports. I've said, you know, this employee that I had was really struggling with a family member very close to them that was diagnosed with cancer and they were struggling with this every day and they had nothing. They didn't have any action steps with that employee. They were just struggling. And I said, it looks like at least for the rest of the day, you won't work. Uh, it won't be necessary for you to work on this because it won't be effective for you. It, it, it won't feel good to you. So go home. I'm going to take care of this, but tomorrow let's talk about getting back on board and, and meeting the expectations of the job. I also want to preface that countries, handle these things very differently. In the US, I'm giving you mostly the US yeah. answers of how we handle it, because there are countries where you can't touch any of those conversations yeah, yeah. and you can't even have a conversation around performance. I do want to preface that with that. But in the US, there are some protective levels of um, state laws and things that if someone were dealing with a sick um, family member that they are tasked with, there's leaves of absences that mm. they can that they can take. And some of them don't know that. So I would always refer them to the person at the company who knows that information mm. and say, talk to HR about this. This isn't my area. And if they are going to take some time off, you may need someone to step in or you may need to move work around. And some people have protected leaves where they can take months and have job protection. And you should know that as a manager, that this is a possibility and know how to plan around that for resource planning, but certainly say it's not my area of expertise. Mm. 
let me refer you to someone internally that can help or that is really tough. I know that this could be difficult to focus on work and my job here and our relationship is work-based. So we have to get back to meeting the expectations of the job. So if you need some time off to handle this, more than happy to review that request. And at the same time, we need to work on getting the job done. Hmm. Yeah, there's lots of excellent advice there. And and certainly the, the point of there may in fact be provisions for people taking time off in some of those situations so that they can uh, focus on whatever it is that that is taking their mind and, and attention away from the work. So that that's important that um, you at least have some resource where you can refer them to and say, let's explore some of those avenues. And if it's a business owner, it is very difficult for them to know all of mm. their states or their country's laws. And so I find that the best advice for someone who just doesn't know is to say, I need some time to get you an answer on that. Mm. Give me, you know, 24, 48 hours to see what is our obligation as an employer with this situation that you're going through. And, and that's important because some people just go directly to no and then they could potentially get sued or they go to yes mm. and they have just <clears throat> given away mm. So much, and then they're upset because the job isn't getting yeah. done. And also set a precedent for other people that might be Absolutely. in different situations altogether, but say, well, you know, you gave Islands the day off so for that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so what are you doing at the company? And I always think about this just the way, Jurgen. Are you making a decision that is you walking through a door and it closes behind you. You can't change that decision that you made because now everyone's expecting the same outcome. Mm. Or is that a revolving door that you've worked, walked through? Can you walk back around and make different decisions? So in those conversations, like, what am I doing? Am I closing that door behind me or can I walk around? It's like, can I give you 20 more days off a year? That's a closed door. That's not, I, I cannot go back on that decision. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I'm going to have to remember that uh, closed door and revolving door. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, this is a fascinating conversation, Eileen. And, uh, you know, there's so much wisdom that you've shared. Um, so I think we'll, uh, we'll let that sit with our listener and um, move on to the buzz, our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. It does touch on some of these things, so there'll probably be a bit of overlap. But the idea is that you'll leave our listener inspired to take an action as a result of your answers. Okay. So what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? They have to look beyond just themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes, don't don't always focus on yourself, and we've you know you Absolutely. pointed that out in a number of these uh, uh, recommendations in those conversations. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not just about mm. you. We're in a world where there's so much happening around us. Take notice. Yeah, excellent. All right, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? I have gone into a place in my mind that has challenged myself in my own beliefs, in my own experiences. And I have said there are other ways that people walk this earth and live their lives. And it's important to learn from them. 
and break out of the norms that I thought were were you know the only way to do things. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How, how do you do that reflection? It's sort of like a self-reflection step. I do. So I think about what gets in the way when I'm trying to innovate. Like I'm trying to find a new way to do something in my organization or I try to find a new thing, a new way to do something. I think about where the foundation of what I'm doing currently came from. Did it come from my upbringing? Did it come from a book I read? Did it come from a person who was a mentor for for me? Where is the foundation of this? And what are the key elements that I should keep? And what should I just completely knock out? Mm. And that's how I think about it. Did this come from my mom? Did it come (laughs) from my, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, New York? You know, am I so closed minded? Let's let's blow that up. Mm. Yeah, there's there's. A lot in that to unpack. It's um, a fascinating approach. I mean, the challenge of we have ways of doing things that are based on some experience. And sometimes that experience, like you say, it might be from our childhood when, um, I don't know, we were being bullied by the big kids in the school playground and and so we developed the defensive mechanism well do we need that today probably not right Right. it looks different today Mm. so i go back to the roots and figure out where am i getting this from and what can i still use and what can i shift Mm. excellent all right what's a favorite resource you use most often Favorite resource. So in my HR world, it's Society of HR Management. It is the ideal in the U.S. for all HR news. Um, and the other one is is LinkedIn. I'm learning every day what people are doing, what they get, what gets them excited, and it's it's a window into a big world. Mm. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, excellent. So lots of reading then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right now. We've talked a fair bit about this, I guess. Um, the best way to keep a, a person on track if we're having that conversation. So let's rephrase it a little bit and um, talk about a client, the best way to keep a client on track because you work with clients all the time. The best way to keep a client on track is to have a very direct conversation of what their needs are and what my needs are, and whether or not we're in sync. Because if I figure out that we're not in sync, we can either get there, or it's time to figure out a different relationship. Maybe we're not the right ones anymore, and maybe they're not the right ones for us. And so I'm, I'm all about being honest, being open, delivering great work, delivering value, and at the point where I can't deliver value, I'm going to say it. I'm going to mm. say this is happening now. Are, are we still in it together? Or are we not? Yeah, yeah. And in some ways, that's a difficult conversation too. But you've you've exactly. um, you've highlighted there that bringing to those conversations the again that approach of it's not all about me and also the vulnerability. Maybe we're just not a good fit for you anymore. Maybe you need somebody else to help you with this problem or this service. Exactly. I don't want my clients staying up at night thinking about things that we could change or that we can't. I'd rather talk about it and, and move forward and give us the most, the best outcome for both of us. Mm, excellent. Okay. And the last question of the buzz round, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? 
Bring me your authentic self. <laughs> Do not mask it for me. I am all about the energy, the excitement, the individual. I'm fascinated by people. And every single person teaches me something and shows me something that I may not have experienced before. And in general, people fascinate me. So I just I just want that energy in the room. I, I just want to be around it. And that's how I learn. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and we can tell your passion from that. And I remember having the conversation, the pre-introductory uh, conversation that we do before the podcast always, and, and you shared this passion and you, people excite you. And, and I thought, wow. <laughs> and I, I guess I... I'm fascinated by people and people's behavior. I probably don't necessarily get excited. I get frustrated a lot. <laughs> um, but, but I do share with you the, uh, the concept of everybody I meet, I learn something from. Right. And, and if I think if we're open to that, it's, I mean, it, everybody enriches my life in some way, even the people that frustrate me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I find it to be the best way to experience this world is to really figure out what is something that this person can teach me. And in turn, you bring value to them too, without even knowing that. Excellent. Well, thanks, Arlene. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, so you can reach me on my website. It's www.hrtransformed.com or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My first name is A-L-L-Y-N-S, last name Melendez, M-E-L-E-N-D-E-Z. Excellent. And of course, we'll always, as always, put links in the show notes for those places so that you can just click straight through. Now, what action would you like our listener to take out of today's conversation and actually do something with today? I want them to think about how the other person in a conversation with them is experiencing them. How do they want other people to experience them? I think that if they take some time to think about how their words are landing, what their body language is saying, and how they're speaking to others, there is a learning moment there. Take a look at how that person responds, their body language, their their tone of voice, because there's some mirroring happening and um, they can learn a lot about themselves when they take a moment to say, how, how am I showing up for you? I also would like for them to think about trusting someone to say, tell me about me. How do I show up in different, in different areas of, of my job or my life? And just ask one person you trust and see what you learn from that. <laughs> wonderful well thanks so much Eileen. this has been fabulous i've really enjoyed our conversation today and uh, i do uh, wish you all the best i've enjoyed it immensely and i'm sure we'll have more conversations around this fascinating topic um, in the meantime please do stay in touch and thanks for today Thanks for having me, Jurgen. I hope that your listeners got a lot of value out of what we talked about. I had a good time. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. 
Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flyworld Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.